0: Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear, page by page. This is page 377. I haven't had the opportunity, Your Grace. I'd been trapped in my damn rooms until he'd sent for me. You must allow me to show you around. He took hold of a polished walking stick that rested against the shade tree. I've always found that taking some air is good for whatever troubles a body, though others disagree. He leaned forward as if he would stand, but a shadow of pain crossed his face, and he drew a shallow, painful breath between his teeth. Sick, I realized, not old, sick. I was at his side in a twinkling, and offered him my arm. Allow me, your grace. The mayor gave a stiff smile. If I were younger, I'd make light of your offer, he sighed, but pride is the luxury of the young. He laid a thin hand on my arm and used my support to gain his feet. I must settle for being gracious instead. Graciousness is the luxury of the wise, I said easily, so it can be noted that your wisdom lends you grace. Alvaron gave a wry chuckle and patted my arm. That makes it a bit easier to bear, I suppose. Would you like your stick, your grace, I asked, or shall we walk together? He made the same dry chuckle. Walk together, that's delicately put. He took the stick in his right hand while his left hand held my arm in a surprisingly strong grip. Lord and lady, he swore under his breath. I hate to be seen doddering about, but it's less galling to lean on a young man's arm than hobble around on my own. It's a horrible thing to have your body fail you. You never think about it when you're young. We began to walk, and our conversation lulled as we listened to the sound of water splashing in the fountains and birds singing in the hedges. Occasionally the mayor would point out a particular... Occasionally, the mayor would point out a particular piece of statuary and tell which of his ancestors had commissioned it, made it, or, he spoke of these in a quieter, apologetic tone, plundered it from foreign lands in times of war. We walked about the gardens for the better part of an hour. Alvarin's weight on my arm gradually lessened, and soon he was using me more for the balance than support. We passed several gentlefolk, who bowed or nodded to the mayor. After they were out of earshot, he would mention who they were, how they ranked in court, and a snippet or two of amusing gossip. They're wondering who you are, he had, he said, after one such couple had passed behind a hedge. By tonight, it will be all the talk. Are you an ambassador from Monere? A young noble looking for a rich fife and a wife to go to the end of the page. I'm Jeremy.
1: I'm Jordana.
2: I'm Nick, and I could use a wife to go.
1: Mm. <laughs> And you have a wife to not go <laughs> pretty much we're all trapped in our spots together at this point
2: mm. yep and i can get takeout almost anything i want to go but not a wife
0: yeah yeah you can't you can't get a wife on uber eats you have to go to uh, less savory apps for that
1: okay i have something actually page related that i feel is very important although you may not feel that way uh the sentence but pride is the luxury of the
2: yeah, my house also different. Jeremy, what does your book say?
0: Pride is the luxury
1: of the strong. You said young. Ah,
2: uh, yes, you said young.
0: Oh, sorry, that was my bad.
1: So I was oh, all okay. excited. I... You got me all excited about a word change, and it was a lie.
0: I did yep, it just to annoy you, Jordanna. Like I, I, I knew, knew many things. I knew it. Oh, I was just gonna say I really like this conversation because it's it's like a game of wits. There's like on the surface level, there's like the amusing game of wits that you sometimes play when you're bantering with someone or sparring with somebody. But it also feels like there's an undercurrent here of the two men taking each other's measure in a different way than when they first met, because now they're like they're not. They're more um, isolated, I guess, like they're not, you know, in, in the mayor's court with his like henchman and his butler hanging around, like it's just the two of them basically having a conversation. So the vibe is different.
1: Do you think the mayor knows that Quoth has been like trapped, trapped in his rooms? Yes. Okay, so he's just like kind of being a jerk when he's like, "Oh, have you seen the gardens yet?" And he knows Quoth hasn't.
2: I think he's. I think it's bait. I think he's giving him an opportunity to snap at him.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. Yeah, he's
0: testing how Quoth will respond to that.
1: Mm. Oh, it's mm-hmm. so sneaky! So sneaky.
2: That's my read on anyway. He also might be like totally oblivious, but I don't buy that.
0: Mm. I mean, it is also Quoth's read, right? Because Quoth says, "I've been trapped in my damn rooms." Of course, he knows that. Like, come on.
1: Yeah. I guess. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I mean, it also could be. I think a legitimate read of this was that the mayor is out of touch with how people have to function around him. Mm-hmm. That's so what I, that's I think the read if you I was read getting that. It's yeah, and I don't think that is like off base, it's not my take, but I think if that's your reading, it's acceptable. It is, it's it is acceptable. a take. <laughs> yeah, it gives you a very different picture of who the mayor is, though.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, it's also the case that quote says he guessed that, that Alvarin was testing his manners in the previous paragraph, so I kind of think that that test of manners is ongoing.
1: That makes mm. sense. I was, I'm starting to remember the things that are about to happen. Like, I just sort of forgot about a good portion of what occurs with the mayor. And now like reading this page, it's all, it's all rushing back to me and I just want to like get there sooner.
0: <laughs> Must be nice for you. I don't remember a blessed thing.
1: Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see.
0: Quoth mm-hmm. is demonstrating his character to the mayor here because he, he helps him, but he helps him in such a way that the mayor doesn't look weak or foolish. You know, he offers him his arm, but he gives him the opportunity to back out. He do- And he doesn't treat the mayor like a like an invalid. He's not like, oh, we should take you back to your rooms, your grace, you know. And I think the mayor picks up on that. Like, that's all part of them taking the measure of each other.
2: hmm uh, And it's interesting that the mayor seems to get stronger as they go. Um I think eventually we learn that it's it's poison that comes like that he is ingested. Um so like the longer between doses, the better he gets. Mm-hmm. Um and I wonder who he's talking about when he says that some people don't think that exercise is good for him.
1: Mm-hmm. Well I meant he's, you know? he's talking about the guy who's poisoning him, probably.
2: Yes, nominally Caduceus, care. but I don't dunno th- if like I I, I mean yeah, as you say, we'll get there. I can't help but think Caduceus might be a Patsy, but um who knows?
1: We'll discuss that when That's Caduceus definitely... is actually maybe on the page, because we haven't even been introduced yeah. to him at this point, have we?
2: Also, I think I'm mispronouncing his name, so don't don't add me.
1: Okay. It's
2: not in front of me. Yeah. It's like it's actually Codicus or something like that, but I like to say Caduceus. I like to say Deuce. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Whom amongst us does not like to drop a deuce from time to time?
2: Gross. Yeah, I, I like to slip a deuce into your ears.
1: You know, sometimes you don't have to advertise that.
0: Mm. Yeah, but not not this time. This is not one of those times.
1: <laughs> Charming. Uh,
2: yeah.
0: It also seems to me that this is the mayor's way of... Like, the mayor is playing a subtle intrigue game of his own here just by being seen with Quoth. right? He knows that they're going to be seen by other people in the gardens, and that the whole court is going to be a flutter with who exactly Quoth is. Why has the mayor brought him here? And obviously the mayor has his own reasons for wanting people to be asking those questions that we're not privy to yet.
1: It's all so dramatic. I,
0: I mm-hmm. get the
2: we sense. We learn a little bit more about that on the next page.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I get the sense that it, part of it is that he just wants to kind of stir up trouble in his court and use that as a way of flushing out maybe people he can't trust.
1: Ooh, sure, that makes sense. I feel like that would flush out a lot of your court, though.
0: Only in a court full of traitors and malcontents.
1: Right, because you're saying most courts are not full of those things?
0: A good court is full of those who are loyal.
2: That actually makes sense, then, why the mayor would have developed a kind of test upon meeting somebody to get the medal of them. If he is surrounded by people who are not fully trustworthy, then he probably does have a system for sort of placing them, right? Like he probably runs them through a similar kind of test like this when he meets somebody and based on how they do, he like mentally files them away and treats them a certain way, right? Yeah. Because also I think like you, when you're a noble and there is court, you can't necessarily pick and choose who is there or who has to arrive, especially when the court is the seat of government. Um, So like, if someone is landed gentry, they have the right to participate in court, right? It, it's the government, so you know sending them away is like a political affront. So you sort of have to suffer their presence, but you don't have to hang out with them all the time. You don't have to keep them close, mm-hmm. right? I, Jeremy, you probably know more about this kind of thing than I do, but that's my my understanding.
0: Yeah, and like you know, there is there's in all kinds of courtly dramas, both real and fictional there's a lot of discussion about who is in favor at court and who is out of favor at court. Um, And different factions kind of vying for the attention of whoever is in charge of the court. So in this case, the mayor. Uh, And so because there's all these intrigues happening and you know, they might not all be like super high stakes or super important. People might just be trying to curry favor for petty reasons, this or that. But I think the mayor has had to deal with that for long enough that you're right. He's developed A metric for himself that he tries to use, you know, so that he doesn't waste time on someone who's not worth his time, right? Like if Quoth failed this test uh, or enough of these tests, the mayor would probably decide this person is a charlatan, they're not worth my time. Uh, I also think it's an interesting character beat for him that the mayor is giving Quoth a tour of the gardens, he's pointing out the statues and who of his ancestors, you know, got them and how they got them, but he is a little uh, ashamed of the fact that sometimes they were plundered from foreign lands, which I think
2: he's ashamed, but not so ashamed to send them back or do reparations, which maybe is a more contemporary idea, but um, you know, it's, it it is telling, right? We, the reader are also learning a lot about his character and that he is, has the good grace. Like you say, Jeremy to uh, at least uh, telegraph shame, but not so much to divest himself of them.
1: Mm -hmm. I might have noticed. If
2: there's nothing else on today's page, we have a letter. Mailbag. This letter is from SNC, who writes on the trial and shipwreck sequences. Hello, pagers. Nick has speculated that Rothfuss wrote the trial and shipwreck sequences and then decided to cut them because they weren't relevant. Rothfuss actually addressed this in a 2014 interview linked here, where he said, quote, There's a few places in the book where people are like, oh, Rothfuss cut this because the book was too long or Rothfuss cut this because he wanted to cut this. But if I wrote a story where it left a visible scar like that, that would not be good storytelling. People assume that I wrote that and took it out and it's simply not true. I didn't write it. So why did I put something like that in implying that there was a story and then not giving you the story, therefore making you want something that you're not going to get? Why would I do that? And that's a good question. Personally, (laughs) I think Rothfuss Sorry. Personally, I think Rothfuss did this to make us really think about why he included the sequences that he did in the books. He's saying to us, Look, I'm not just going to write about something just because it's cool or because I like it. Everything you read in Quoth's story is actually important, even if you initially think otherwise. Thanks for the podcast and hope you're all doing well during this difficult time. Best regards, SNC.
0: Ah, well, thanks, SNC. It's always nice to have the authoritative word of the author uh, on the story that they wrote and how and why they wrote it. Uh, so.
2: And I agree with your analysis, SNC, that uh, omitting things that seem like they're fun is a way of suggesting to us that we're not just here to like read some bombastic fantasy. Everything in here has been carefully selected and everything's important, which is why Rothfuss is saying that you should start a podcast where you read every individual <laughs> page and dissect it.
1: Are you saying that our podcast is Rothfuss approved?
2: Yes, I am saying that. Also, he has tweeted he retweeted us a couple times, so it's uh definitely Rothfuss approved.
1: I yeah, I suppose if he hasn't like blocked us then we're good at this point. No,
2: no, we haven't we haven't said the unmentionable and, and complained about the book on social media yet. So Is that the only thing that can get uh,
1: you like de Rothfuss approved though? Like
2: I'm sure there's other things, but that's like an insta like if you if you Rothfuss uh complaining about the length between books, he will insta ban you. Or you know his people. I don't know if he is if he manages his Twitter account. His agents,
0: but... his emir, his his, Ooh, I love his, yeah. his, his <laughs> council of uh, of Chandranoids will will find you and uh, leave you in a burning wreckage of everything you knew and loved. And they'll be right yep. to do it.
2: Yes, definitely correct, uh, listeners. If you are say adjacent to the publishing industry and you have contact with Rothfuss, I'd love to uh, interview him on this here show. I think we have a lot to ask. I think it'd be kind of a neat get. So, uh, you know, if, I think if anyone's got has an in. Things to do, <laughs> Probably, but you know. Like what, Jordana? Think, uh... Like
1: what? <laughs> I don't know author stuff, important author stuff.
2: <laughs> yeah, Jordana, is there something you'd prefer he spent his time doing?
1: I don't know. Is that what you're important saying, Jordana? Author stuff.
2: Uh-huh, something that's so important that's, a, that's that's author work? Is that what you're saying, Jordana?
1: Like comic-con virtual chats or something like why would he come on our podcast when like cons would like pay him money to show up and chat about stuff like why 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 on earth would he help us out when he could help somebody else out who will pay him
2: why indeed jordana why indeed
0: personally i just think he's probably spending six to eight months out of the year watching football
1: really
2: (laughs) and blogging and blogging (laughs) about it
1: you're being funny.
0: Yeah, Jordana George R. R Martin famously spends about half the year doing nothing but watching the football. Oh.
2: Well, okay, hang I'm on, just, we can like, R. R Martin a little bit. Now, I don't know that he's doing nothing but watching football, but he certainly spends a lot of energy watching football and then blogging about the football.
0: He said that he doesn't write when he's watching the football.
2: Oh, really? Oh. Yeah, he said that, like I don't no wonder write.
0: Everyone's when, mad at him. <laughs> I don't write when the NFL is on. <laughs> which like couldn't be me dog <laughs> couldn't be me but that's okay well, thank god I- they only play like
2: 11 games a year
0: hmm. uh well uh, football no. is
2: ridiculous let's let's spend some time on this podcast really against professional football oh, they only play for like 11 to. minutes there's only like 11 minutes of game time in each game so much of it is spent standing around and then there's only like 11 games a season it's really ridiculous
1: yeah, there's but- also some really crazy like superstitions. Although I suppose that's all professional sports, but like there's some crazy stuff in the football world about like superstitions that go with stuff. Actually, some I almost believe, but most <laughs> of them are just silly and ridiculous. Well, like
2: well, what? like what, Jordana? What's what's okay? One? Here's yeah. one
1: I almost believe because I don't want to. I don't want to spread the silly ones. This one is like pretty pretty crazy. So to my this is my understanding of this story. But I've heard it, I heard it once through... Jordana, just tell us. Oh, my (laughs) God. Okay, 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 Um, (laughs) okay. The New Orleans team. Their stadium, before a certain point, it must have been, yeah. So it's before Katrina. Their stadium was just like a regular stadium. And then Katrina came and wrecked the stadium and they had to rebuild. They wanted to rebuild in the same spot. However, it was found that the spot was like, a sacred place to to the native people. And they had continuously lost games on that spot when the stadium was there. So when they rebuilt the stadium, they had someone come and, like, like, quell the spirits, I guess. So the spirits wouldn't be mad at them for it being on their land, on their sacred place. And so after that happened, the team started to win again. And I, like, that is a crazy story to me. (laughs) Like, I almost, I don't believe it, but I almost believe that, like, the paying of respects to the sacred place and the land, like, helped them to win more. I almost believe it.
2: I definitely believe that it's important to pay respects to the sacred
1: Yes, but do do you believe that it helped them win? Because that's the part that's like the weird bit. Like, I don't fully believe that.
2: I believe that the placebo effect is a real thing.
1: Yes. And that I'll tell you what, what I believe. That's what occurs with most of these theories. But like that one is- What that- do you believe in? Okay, also though, consider that that is one of the stories that I considered to be the least weird. So imagine how weird the weirdest ones are.
0: It must be Did pretty weird. Yep.
1: Yeah, it's pretty it must weird. Pretty weird. Yep.
0: And it will be pretty weird on tomorrow's page. Of <laughs> the-,
2: the wind.